Welcome to the Parker Avery Group's Talk Retail to Me podcast and new for 2023 video series. In each episode, our consulting professionals cover key retail and CPG topics and offer pragmatic insights that will add value to your operations and initiatives. This is Trisha Gustin, Senior Director of Marketing for the Parker Avery Group. Today, we are taking a deep dive into allocation and replenishment. Coming off the heels of Shop Talk, where so many people are still reaching for the shiny tech, we always need to make sure the basics of retail are covered so those customer-facing innovations actually work and deliver a great customer experience. Allocation and replenishment is one area with its share of innovations like integrations to AI-driven demand forecasting, but also brings lots of opportunities to increase internal and external efficiencies and result in better inventory management and visibility. Today, I am fortunate to be joined by three retail experts, Nia McDonald, Mike Johnson, and Dave Seeley, all are senior managers with Parker Avery and have been deep into client work focused on allocation and replenishment. But let's start off with introductions. I will hand the mic over to Nia to start us off. Hi, uh, my name is Nia McDonald. I've been with the Parker Avery Group for almost two years, coming out of industry, spent uh, the majority of my career in planning and, of course, starting an allocation, as most of us, if not all of us, in planning do. Um, so, of course, it's near and dear to my heart. Started at BCBG as an allocator um, back in the day in LA, riding, riding the BCBG bus. Um, so, very excited to talk today about uh, allocation. So I will hand it over to Mike Johnson. Uh, my name is Mike Johnson. I've been with the Parker Avery firm for about three years now. I uh, spent most of my career prior to working with Parker Avery in industry, especially retail, sporting goods, and um, uh, fashion apparel, uh, focused on the planning, allocation, and replenishment side. So I also uh, a topic near and dear to my heart and uh, anxious to, to discuss it today. I'll hand it over to you, Dave. Good afternoon, Dave Seeley. Um, I've held various retail industry positions in buying, planning, reporting, and analytics, uh, also including responsibility for managing allocation replenishment teams. I uh, went to the dark side, implemented uh, those systems on the IT side, uh, been independent consulting for small and mid-sized retailers, uh, joined Parker Avery Group a little over a year ago, and really enjoying the work and helping the clients improve their business. Awesome. Thank you. So let's get into it, but let's start off first, let's level set and describe kind of at a high level what allocation and replenishment are, as well as their importance to a retailer's success. Okay, maybe I'll jump in and, and start with that. Um, you know, allocation and replenishment are really the tail end of the entire merchandising process. There, a lot of work is done upfront in developing and curating the assortment, understanding the promotions and all of the, the tie-ins that are gonna impact your business. But at the end of the day, when the rubber beats the road, it's really about getting that product to where you're going to sell it. And that's where the allocation and replenishment processes come into play. You know, in many of the legacy environments that we we find our clients in and, and is still prevalent in the industry, those processes are often disconnected, uh, operated by multiple groups of people or different groups of people with different information. Uh, as we begin to evolve through all of the, the, the technology changes that have gone on in, several, in the last several years and responses to things in the marketplace, such as the COVID-19 pandemic, supply chain issues, it's become more and more important to look at and review these processes as, as one single, single process. So, you know, just at a very simplified uh, way, 
allocation is really about pushing inventory that you have or that's in your pipeline. And replenishment speaks more to pulling inventory uh, based on need. Awesome. Thank you. So what considerations do retailers take into account when selecting the best methods for allocation and replenishment? You know, some of the things that are certainly important when you're considering what are the best ways to make sure that the product ends up in the hands of the people that want to buy it is consider those things that are impacting the process throughout the, the supply chain uh, from, from procurement all the way through distribution. So you need to understand things like, you know, what is the life cycle of an item? You know, what is the availability of an item? You know, do I have a, a you know, consistent ability to get product whenever I need it? Or do I need to work with those that are uh, producing the product based on their constraints to know what, what's available and when? These are important considerations along with standard processes of seasonality, promotional activity, et cetera, that you need to really kind of think of all of these together when you're looking at what's the best way to, to fulfill the needs of your, your consumers. One thing to throw in there, I know, Mike, you and I have talked about this at length about kind of the blurring of what allocation and replenishment is. You know, back in the day, uh, there were solutions that were specific to allocation and specific to replenishment. When you did this, you, you use that system. And when you, you did that, you use that system. And I think over the years, through the technology advancement, things have changed, right? And there's a blending of that. And I know you have had clients uh, experience that. So maybe just talk a little bit about what that experience is like. One of the important considerations is who, who has access to the information and who uh, do you need to include in the process, you know, as you're evaluating the the really the criteria around how you're going to treat fulfillment. Um, you know, we talk about things like, um, you know, vendor availability and, and, you know, how how responsive can they be? And those those type of answers will tell you, do I need to be thinking about this from a from a push or a pull perspective? You know, if I'm if I'm looking at a, a constant flow of goods, which is optimal in terms of making sure my inventory productivity is high, you know, I want to make sure that I'm I'm fulfilling my need as regularly as possible. Uh, and that becomes more reliant on some of the information you talk about, Dave, in, in terms of some of the technologies that have improved over the years and in, in terms of forward-looking types of forecasts or demand fill, you know, that can be used in the process as opposed to uh, a lot of the legacy environments where we're, we're really reliant on just sales history, uh, not a whole lot else. It was just slicing and dicing that history in different ways to try and get the answer. And I think that now, you know, when you're looking at making those decisions along with, you know, working with the procurement and the buying, buying teams and the planning teams to understand timing and, you know, what is the best way to, to manage my inventory, those are decisions you have to think about up front. Uh, and also, it's not, a, you know, it's not uh, just a fire and forget. It's the, the, the ways that you look at fulfillment may change over the life cycle of an item. From an assortment perspective, it may start out as, where you know the the plan is to buy uh, buy it once and fill it in once or twice and, and program those orders out, but as you're responding to demand, it may say that you know what I I, I thought this was a, a three or six month item and it could be a, a year and a half item or a two year item, and my decisions around how to 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 fulfill that may change and I may want to move from a push to a pull and that's the, some of the th considerations that are important as you initially set your assortment and your, your fulfillment plan, but also as you adapt, uh, as you learn more and more about uh, the performance and, and how important those items become. Think about the product too, right? So think of a gold toe sock, 
right? What, what kind of demands that has versus say a fashion jean, right? Where you have, you know, you can order order a, a sock in a minute and have it there in a week versus something that you're going to be take six weeks to to uh, to get back into. And those situations about product itself, I don't, you know, I think one of the best practices is, is really being able to triage the type of product that you're doing and lead, uh, you know, the team through the discussion so that you make the right decision. And that's a super important area and I, not, not where I think a lot of people have, have some challenges is making those distinctions. Lately, we've been talking to clients a lot about, you know, tearing down silos and collaborating more internally and externally. And it, it sounds like what you all have been just talking about as far as you know, initially setting the allocation replenishment cadence and then reviewing it as throughout the product life cycle sounds like collaboration would be uh, in play. Those how would you how would you describe some best practices relative to merchant planner collaboration when it comes to allocation and replenishment? I think Trisha, I think you were picking up exactly what <laughs> exactly what Mike and, and Dave were going is what you were picking up um, in terms of that question, right? That adaption and changing the intention, right? So from a best practices, and this this is something just very simple communication, right? In terms of the merchant planner allocator replenishment relationship, just simple communication between those groups. Um, is key. It's 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 necessary. The the merchant strategy in terms of the product strategy, in terms of the promotional strategy, can change in an instant. Something that could be a long life cycle product can become something that you decide to cut off because it's not selling. And without communicating that strategy to the allocation team, to the replenishment team, to the planning team that's putting that financial strategy in place could completely kill either the product or kill your your financial strategy. So I think from a tearing down silos and a best practice, it's simple communication, um, putting merchant notes in, communicating those merchant notes, having weekly meetings where you're following up with those merchant notes is, is something that's simple that we've seen take place in client meetings, client sort of just overall culture that I think has, has taken them a long way in terms of making sure that their overall business strategies and overall um, financial needs are met. Mike, is that something that you've seen sort of yeah, move I, the needle? I, I, <laughs> something simple. It, but yeah, it's a great point. I think it's, you know, there are, there are a number of ways um, that you can facilitate that type of communication. You know, uh, it can be old fashioned. It can be tapping, tapping the, the person on the shoulder uh, and saying, hey, you know what? We decided to make a change in right. the assortment. So, um, you know, as you're looking at your, you know, future demand or your, your forecasted orders, um, you need to keep that in mind. You know, some of it comes out, you know, with, being able to communicate life cycle of an item, uh, you know, ideally those are types of things that from a technology standpoint, you'd love that to be able to be visible uh, within the allocation replenishment process without requiring, you know, manual communication. But, you know, you can achieve the same goals, you know, whether you have that type of capability, you know, within the system or not. The importance is that constant communication, the understanding of intent. I think that you know, over the years, we've seen a lot of focus on collaboration earlier in the merchandising process. I mean, there's been a lot of focus over the years on on assortment planning and and making yeah. sure that the, the intent is is collaborated upon the planning and buying at those stages. And I think it's been it's taken a lot longer for those type of 
collaborations and communications to, to filter down to the, the final stages of execution, which is uh, replenishment and allocation. So I think, you know, leveraging those type of culture changes that you're speaking to, Nia, will be very important to, you know, not drop the ball at the, at the goal line. And that's kind of where you're at with deciding the final execution strategies. One thing to add, I think that's clear is that, you know, and for the, for those of us who've, who've been around for a while and have seen a lot of different systems over the years, that, you know, while the technology has improved and changed, uh, you were talking going back, you know, many, many years, the fundamentals like this don't change. And we walk into clients every day and you find, well, buyer, planner, allocator don't seem to talk, right? Or their roles aren't clear and they didn't know what this is or what that is. And as a result, you have dysfunction and bad decisions. So that goes along with any of the products and services we provide. But I think that's a clear, clear uh, message as part of what we, we do. That unfortunately is still a prevalent problem. And I want to, there's, I think, another silo that we don't speak enough about. And it's not just a, in the merchandising and planning organization, right? I think it's between the supply chain organization and the merchandising planning organization. Those are not organizations that often speak to each other, right? When we were in planning, I don't think I really ever met anybody in supply chain, but we don't really look at it as a entire supply chain strategy, right? Allocation, replenishment, that should be brought part of a broader supply chain overall strategy where we could be more both efficient and cost effective and make our entire organization, um, I think, more optimal. We did a project for a client where there was some suboptimal POs going out the door. A lot of PC onesie twosies, right? Where there was there was there was opportunity to optimize the cart and flow, improve some efficiencies, and just overall reduce some supply chain costs. And it was just something that was not forefront in a buyer's mind, a planner's mind, uh, in assistant planner's mind, because that's not conversations that are had. So I think there's opportunity just overall to have operational costs as part of a conversation when you're looking at your allocation and your replenishment strategy. And as Mike mentioned as part of the conversation early on at the forefront, right? It shouldn't be a conversation farther down the path. We shouldn't be asking the allocator to do it or a replenishment person to look at it on a weekly basis, but you should be talking about that when you're setting your overall strategy early on. So those are silos that also should be part of a conversation in the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it really comes down to right products, right place, right time. I mean, at, you know, so right the, customer, the customer is ready to buy, the retailer is in a position to buy. And mm-hmm. of course that's demand forecasting and down to those yeah. different, what in many cases are functional silos, but it, it shouldn't be. It should be sort of this more integrated functional collaboration going on. If some people call it integrated business planning down to those, you know, different areas, but Tell me how the demand signal can be leveraged for allocation or replenishment and maybe touch on some of those leading practices that we've seen or should be seeing. So I can jump in. I, I, let's take about what, what kind of old school would be if you were running an allocation or replenishment system, it's usually backward looking. It is saying, hey, um, I'm going to take a look at the last 10 weeks and I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to sell X amount. And usually it's a formula looking only at prior history as a basis to do your, what they'll call need calculation, which how am I going to sell going forward? 
And that's pretty much it was, you know, that way for many, many years uh, with the advance of demand forecasting and technology and, and computing power. Um, we introduced things called like a demand signal, which is really a forward looking view of what I think I'm going to sell. And that's what our game is here in allocation replenishment. If you know what you're going to sell or have a better estimate of it, you're, and, and where to put it in the locations or the warehouses, you're going to get a better result. You're going to get better return. You're going to get better profitability. And, you know, so the introduction of that, that, that thing is a game changer when it comes to this, uh, uh, to this topic. I think I'll, I'll, I'll build on to what you're mentioning, Dave. I think, you know, one of the important things to understand as you talk about this unified demand signal or this demand is, is that it's becoming more and more prevalent to that you will need this for the fulfillment process and especially as we talked about earlier kind of the blending of allocation replenishment you know in legacy environments where you would only see some type of a forecast often in a replenishment system and you really wouldn't see that forward-looking forecast in an allocation system or, or process and, and now because you know retailers are, are looking for ways to be more nimble in that in those decisions you know having a single source of the truth in terms of what's causing that demand and that need whether your criteria define that as a as a replenishment or a, a pull versus a, a push, you know, being able to leverage that same demand and you know utilize it for different processes uh, makes it a lot more efficient. And we certainly know that efficiency is important. And being able to uh, you know open up time for those people that are responsible for the fulfillment to be able to analyze their business and, and be a little bit less tactical, uh, where you know so many of the legacy environments you're having to do a lot of those combinations or a lot of those thought processes either outside of a system or augmenting a system with manual manual work and so you know leveraging that that single view of demand for multiple purposes and, and even you know taking it beyond just the allocation replenishment if that can be leveraged for other organizations there's just a lot of benefit in being able to leverage that for multiple purposes one other topic to throw in there i know for, for those who have operated in big chain stores as well as department stores, uh, low rates of sale is one of the biggest challenges that you deal with. Um, and I think it's a good discussion because, you know, I would say that, you know, many of the demand signal um, solutions out there struggle with that. Uh, when you're selling one unit every 10 weeks, which is not uncommon in some of these bigger organizations, the ability of that demand uh, solution to be able to accommodate that and have better logic for it is super important for especially these bigger guys. Once inventory is in the supply chain, needs to be directed to the correct places. How are leading retailers addressing the inventory visibility piece and then reacting to demand fluctuations? I mean, COVID was a fantastic example with the toilet paper and then, you know, all that kind of stuff that happened. Nobody was prepared for that. How are they? How are they now able to handle these demand fluctuations with the existing inventory on hand? I think one of the important things um, that it's always easy to overlook but impossible to ignore is the simple concept of inventory accuracy and timeliness is critical to certainly the allocation replenishment processes, uh, along with everything else. Um, you know, having an understanding of what you own right now and where you own it um, is really critical to any type of optimization that we're talking about from a, a fulfillment standpoint. I think, you know, some of the other capabilities that are now kind of on in scope for a lot of these processes are, are ways to optimize and rebound, you know, again, leveraging that, that demand and that, that need that those need calculations that are informed from, from a forecasting perspective. 
is being able to utilize those to optimize the inventory that already exists. So, you know, not not all retailers or all organizations have the ability to move product between stores or between locations, but the capabilities to understand where is the best place for that inventory based on what I have now and what I have, what I expect to sell, um, it, it, it gives you more of an informed decision as opposed to trying to figure out um, and do the analysis off, off offline of what type of, of movement or where it, where it should be optimal. And the ability to take that type of information and, and leverage that into the forecasts for future buys so that you don't exacerbate a problem that exists and they're able to react to it you know, using the levers that are uh, available. One thing that we see a fair amount um, is uh, system gaps in this area where you have inventory that is in between systems. Mm -hmm. So it may be in the warehouse, it may be in transition to the stores, but the, the allocation replenishment systems don't have visibility uh, to that quantity. So they end up making bad decisions. And uh, it, is, it is an integration challenge uh, when we do the IT side of things, uh, but a pretty common occurrence uh, between a WMS system in your core merch and where that inventory is. So that, that's a gap we see a lot in uh, one we suggest to get fixed um, because it has a big impact. How does that get fixed? <laughs> that's a pretty vague term. <laughs> well, um, having participated in some of the core merchandising work that we do, you know, there's inventory statuses that are, are typically used. And it's really an integration between, okay, it's not in the DC, it's not in the store, it is in transit, Right. So know that you're in transit and make that visible to your allocation replenishment, you know, a solution so that it knows that's really a, it's it's a harder to execute. I said it very simply, but it is a really important piece of the of the uh, system. I think it's worth noting, too, just to tag on to that, Dave, is, is that as we talk about solutions that are beginning to view the, the fulfillment process as a as a kind of a single process as opposed to fragmented. Um, there is an, I think, understanding from a lot of providers as well of the importance of transparency to where product is in the, in the pipeline. So things that may have not been top of mind in terms of where they're designing the data inputs for these systems, where these may not have been the case in legacy, you know, very specific replenishment solutions or allocation solutions, because now it's becoming a, a lot more of a blended approach. The visibility is, is one of the key factors, and especially as Nee had mentioned earlier, of kind of integrating and and collaborating with supply chain and, and other and finance, it becomes more and more important for all of those uh, disciplines within the organization to understand where your inventory is, where it's going, and when it's going to get there. And I think that that's a, a really a critical piece to you know, being able to really take advantage of the capabilities that are going to be out there. Can we back up and talk about something that non-sexy piece, and that's the MDM and the PIM. If you don't start off with that data governance and that clean data that's in your core merge, none of what we're talking about is going to happen well, right? One point, yes. can, can you all, can we expand upon any of that? Yeah, I think one of the, one of the critical things, and, and again, this is kind of a, a follow-up to some of the same type of conversations that have happened related to assortment planning or even item planning uh, earlier in the process. Uh, allocation replenishment is, is finally coming up to speed, I think, a little bit. But you know, the the the, the structure of your hierarchy uh, is critical. Uh, that you make sure that the structure supports the way your customers shop, the way that that um, you need to understand where where product is. And also, you know, talking about the forecasting piece, a lot of the, the solutions are are primarily reliant on 
forecasting or generating these need at, at levels within your hierarchy. So that's critically important, uh, although I think we would all recognize that the hierarchy does not always going to be the end all and be all, which means it's important to be able to leverage you know, product or location attributes, uh, especially talking about fulfillment, you know, replenishment allocation, because you're really talking about getting it to the end source. And so you're at the lowest level of granularity, you're at generally at location or selling location and item. So being able to group those in meaningful ways and, and leverage, you know, history or forecasts at those levels to, to, to create your need, I think is, is a very important piece of the puzzle. And zero in on in relation to the demand forecasting piece, you know, as part of the modeling, we will do um, basically demand drivers, which is your modeling based to understand response based on price, based on seasonality. And, you know, so you test as part of this process. It's not automatic, automatic in any way, but that hierarchy and those at the attributes are really fuel to help support that. And the, the better you know hierarchy you have, the more attributes that you have more opportunity you have is to tailor your forecast, the more accurate it is. So it's become even more and more critical uh, in the demand forecasting space to, to Mike's point. And even more foundational than that, Dave and Mike, right? We talked about just the accuracy of, of the sales data that you have feeding into your demand forecast. Absolutely. Your historical sales data. An important piece of, of the discussion when we, when we talked about that earlier, Nia, was the ability to handle uh, from a forecasting perspective, those sales history uh, components that are not good. You know, we you certainly right. wouldn't want to build a forecast on what yes. happened during during COVID. So it's like, how do you intelligently handle those gaps or lost sales or or unreliable spikes? And that's where, as David mentioned, you know, some of the the, the modeling of these forecasts or the, the components that influence the, the forecast created for allocation replenishment are important to be able to help, uh, you know, mitigate those really, really bad history sections that we, we know exist. And we, one thing we didn't talk about, but you mentioned Tricia was the whole supply chain piece. Um, and that's one of the big constraints, especially during COVID mm -hmm. and especially during certain circumstances, when you're maybe introducing new product, you have constrained amount of stuff that the vendors have. So how do you manage that? And during COVID, when you're getting maybe half of the stuff that you ordered, how do you respond to that? And providing some logic and or reasoning on how to deal with that and which stores do I send the stuff to? I get half of what I ordered. Do I give one to everybody? Do I give most of the people who sell it more? What are the decisions that you have to make? And those are, you know, you can add systems and analysis and do work on that, but that comes a lot down to process and, and thinking about and working with the vendors, uh, the best way to deal with those situations. But that, I think Mike and I've talked about that at length about what is the best way to deal with that? And uh, it is a challenge today and it probably will be going forward, uh, but it is important. Yeah. And it comes back to that being able to have that internal and external collaboration as well so that everybody has the visibilities to those demand and supply, especially supply constraints as witnessed during COVID. And who knows when the next disruption will be, but to have that collaboration in place, that communication that Neo really talked about earlier on is so critical to be able to respond more quickly and more efficiently to those disruptions. If we've got listeners who are I'm trying to figure out what, where do they take the first step in getting their allocation replenishment processes and even systems in a better place than where they are today? Where should they take that first step? 
I think that, you know, it's it's not always um, easy or viable to say, I just need to go and, and get, get a new solution today. Um, that may be a, a, an absolute need, but you can you can begin by really understanding what your business process is around allocation replenishment and look and see, are there opportunities, even if, uh, you know, if, if those are exist today as silos or as different, um, different groups of people that don't communicate, I think it really goes back to understand what your process is and then look for opportunities where you can embed all of the different players into the process in one, you know, whether it's uh, communication, whether it's, collaboration on, on on any of those topics that we talked about. But I think that that's, that's the place to start is really you need to understand, uh, are your people talking? Are, are your, your people uh, you know, communicating today? And even if, if I am working in two disparate systems, you know, that doesn't prevent me from, from sharing uh, and collaborating on what needs to be done. I would say that just to pile onto that more tactically speaking, do a self-diagnostic, right? Get a pen, get a whiteboard, get on a computer, Start drawing some boxes about what you do today and take the topics that we talked about today, demand, constraints, uh, collaboration, and just, and just write a grid out and you know, assess yourself about how well you're doing. Because a lot of these things are pretty right in front of your face. It's just the people get involved in your day-to-day operation. You're not able to look at it. And uh, taking a step back, get a cup of coffee and a whiteboard, and uh, I think you can get some good revelations. I'm going to take a slightly different approach if it's okay. Um, I'm going to give a, a first step for the person who's allocating um, because usually this person is possibly straight out of college and they, they might be the, the, the entry level person, right? But we've already discussed like they're the, the last line of defense. They're the person driving <laughs> the end of the strategy. But a lot of times they're the person with the maybe the least positional power in the organization. So I'm going to, I'm going to give them a first step. Get what you need, right? Go and make sure you have all of the elements and the components that we're telling you you need. You need that promotional strategy. You need the hind signing. You need to make sure that the merchant is giving you, the buyer is giving you all the information. You need to make sure that the financial planner that you're working with that person, that you understand the replenishment strategy, that everybody that is talking, that should be talking, is talking to you. That to the extent that you can help drive the supply chain overall strategy that you are helping to drive that mission. So that is my advice. My first step is to sort of empower that level. All right. Great. This has been fantastic. I really appreciate you all taking some time out of your Friday afternoon to talk on our Talk Retail to Me podcast. And we look forward to to talking with you again later on in the year. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. That's a wrap for this episode of Talk Retail to Me. If you have questions related to today's topic, please visit our website at parkeravery.com to learn more and to contact us. Also, we'd love it if you shared Talk Retail to Me with any of your colleagues. It's streaming on all the major podcast platforms and the videos are available on our YouTube channel. For more Parker Avery industry expertise and advice, be sure to follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter.